Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We got Mike with us because we got three Badgers games to talk about this week. So we're going to mm-hmm. start with Badgers this week. Uh, real quick, as we start, I want to give a shout out to Wisco Ball for making merch for us. So if you want to get a Wisco Fanatics t-shirt, you can do that over there. He's going to be having really soon a new Buck Yeah shirt coming out. So it says Buck Yeah, and then it's got antlers coming up the sides. It's a sweet looking shirt. I can't wait for it. Honestly, I'm really excited to get some because he's going to have them in a couple of different colors. So I'm really excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to give him a thanks for uh, making merch for the show. Now, three Bucks games, three Badger games, and we're in a, kind of a weird spot with the Badgers. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. So let, let's start with some power pairs and some underrated performers. Jake, give me your power pair and your underrated performer from the Badgers, and then I'll give mine, and we will jump into – Penn State. All right. So uh, for my power pair, I went with Chucky and I went with Connor Asesian. These were pretty, you know, straightforward choices in my opinion. Uh, Chucky averaged three, 13 points, three rebounds. Uh, He had a couple assists this week. Um, He didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but I'll tell you something that he never shies away from, and that's defense. He always finds a way to get the the clutch steal. He He never shies away from a matchup on defense. And on and off the floor, he's a leader. So that's part of the reason, you know, especially a team going through a tough transition like this, hearing all the noise from the outside, having a guy like Chucky Hepburn who can just, you know, put the horse blinders on the rest of the team and kind of keep everybody focused is a really, really good thing. And I think people are taking that for granted, in my opinion. And then Connor Asesian, the kid's just getting better every every game. Um, he's had a really, really good freshman year, you know, despite however this year ends. Connor Asesian has been a bright spot, no matter what you say. Uh, he's getting better at finishing inside. Uh, once he gets a little bit better at that, those timely three-pointers, not that he hasn't hit some timely three-pointers, but, like, just on a more consistent basis. Like, there was a couple last night where he was wide open, and all the fire guard people need to shut the hell up after seeing that beautiful play he drew from an out-of-bounds, by the way, because that was a wide-open shot for your best shooter. And, you know, you're not just going to pull a coach off the off the street and he's going to be able to draw that play up. So just wanted to throw that out there. My underrated performer is a guy that shouldn't be in this on this portion, but he is a little bit. Um, his name is Tyler Wall. Um, and, there, and part of the reason that I wanted to, to give him credit is all the offensive rebounds that he was getting. He ended up getting eight offensive rebounds over a three-game span. That's a little over two and a half per game. Um, he also averaged – he averaged 9.7 rebounds, four assists. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well either, but the Badgers as a whole have been struggling to shoot the ball at times this year. Lots of long drops, but 
if they can if they can button that up a little bit, this team could be dangerous because the field this year I feel like is wide open. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I mean, there's a couple teams at the top, maybe three, four teams that you can name that are like they're the clear favorites. After that, it's just a straight up shit show. <laughs> and I don't care what you say. I mean, a Marquette team that is just killing everybody lost to this Badgers team this year. Just this year, they yeah. lost to us. So, you know, you, you could take that for what it is. They should have beat a, a Kansas team who a lot of people put in that that power four. You know, we could have beat a Kansas team who who's dominant in the defending champions. I mean, there's a lot of ifs in there, I guess, but I just think that the Badgers are better than their record. I would agree with that. Um, I had the same power pair. I have Connor Asijan and Chucky Hepburn, and you you kind of touched on it already, but he scored 19 twice. And then last game, he only scored two points, but he closed the game for the Badgers defensively. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can say what you will about his offensive struggles and, you know, who you want to put blame on for the end of the games, and we'll get into some of that stuff. But he closed the game defensively last night against Michigan. For me, for underrated performer, I put in Carter Gilmore almost exclusively because of his effort against Hunter Dickinson last night. So I'm just going to leave that as a little tidbit, and we'll get back into that when we get into these individual games. But Mm -hmm. we got three Badger games, and we're in a really kind of a weird spot in a state of flux with the Badgers. And we're that's that's why we brought Mike back. He's our, our Badger guy. We like to have him on when we talk Badgers. Mm-hmm. But we're in kind of a weird spot, and there's a lot going on, not just on the floor, but obviously off the floor. So let's start with Penn State and discuss a Badgers overtime win, and we'll go from there. So, Mike, welcome to the show again. What stood out to you from the Penn State game uh, last Wednesday? Well, guys, thanks for having me on again. It's, all, it's always great. Uh as you kind of said, this has been kind of an unorthodox season, but even talking at the beginning of the year, we kind of figured we're maybe not exactly what this record was right now, but we definitely were hesitant on, you know, saying, hey, we're going to win conference again this year. So it's kind of, it's it's definitely a weird, we weird season. Have the Badgers here in 20 or 21 wins. I think we were all in that yeah. 19, 20, 21. Because mm-hmm. I know yeah. I had 19. I think you might have had 20 and Jake had 21 or vice versa, but we were all right in that 19 to 21 range. Mm-hmm. It was cool. It was really, really close. Yeah, right around that area. So, um, you know, look at going into this game. First off, I was a, I'm a huge like I've watched Penn State enough. They are a good team. I think they are also better than what their record shows. Uh, I think Jaden Pickett's an absolute stud. He's going to be on the first team Big Ten team this year. So uh, he dominated us in the first time around. The stat that caught my eye going into the game was Penn State is was 11 and two at home. So that definitely uh, worried me quite a bit, especially with, you know, trying to win on the road in the Big Ten. You know, that that's one of the hardest freaking things to do in this conference. So going into it, I was a little skeptical. But then again, with every team that we we play in the Big Ten, maybe with the exception of Minnesota, I am very, very, very worried because there's always positives and negatives with what could it can go wrong or what can't go wrong. But um, I guess, you know, this is a welcome back game for Tyler Wall for me. Um you know, behind closed doors within my head, like in my head, um, you know, he's been, I wouldn't say being disappointed, being disappointing since his ankle injury, but he's definitely, you know, he's, he's trying to get back, back to where he used to be. Right. And I think this was his first, you know, comeback game uh, since that ankle in- injury, you know, 16 points, eight to six, eight to six, 
ah, excuse me, eight assists, six boards. Um, you know, that's one hell of a stat, stat line. So uh, he was the one guy that stood out to me in this game. Uh, and this is one of the, also one of those rare games this year where we scored over 70 to win a game because lately it's been, you know, um, maybe get to 60, that 60 to 65 range and, you know, hold on for dear life. So, um, <laughs> I'm, yeah. And one thing that really caught my eye too, which I kind of applaud us for because our shooting was needed tonight and, you know, our three point or not tonight, but that night and uh, our three point shooting was a little bit better collectively. Penn State's a three point shooting team too. We got down three with, I think it was around three, 325 left. And we, you know, we stood our ground after being down three and we, you know, eventually climbed into overtime and got the win. But um, Penn State in that stretch when we were up, they shot six of eight from three in that second half. Um, you know, when teams go on runs like that, that's really, really hard to overcome. And, you know, whether it was, you know, T-Wall making a big play down low or, you know, Connor and Chucky making big threes for us, you know, it was, you know, it was a good team win. Um, you know, there was a, a lot of other positives too. I'll let you guys touch base on, but um, I would say the biggest thing was overcoming Penn State's three-point shooting in the second half when they made it on that, when they went on that huge run, six of eight from three, uh, to have them go ahead and then have us overcome that to eventually get the overtime win. Uh, you know, that was good. And there's plenty of other stuff we can talk about this game, but uh, that was one of the big positives that that I took from that. That's a that's a good call out. That six of eight for three in the second half. For me, this game signaled to me a a different brand of Badger basketball than what we've seen over the last about six weeks. This this signaled the beginning of a change for me. And when we talked last Wednesday, Jake and I did about things we'd like to see the Badgers improve or things that we think could help the Badgers improve. One of the things that I wanted to see was when Stephen Crowell gets the ball down low and the Badgers were going to the post early in this game was for Stephen Crowell to just keep his composure and look for cross-court passes when they're there. And lo and behold, early in this game, Stephen Crowell hits a cross-court pass to Connor Asijin and he drains a three. And I'm like, that is... Thank you for making me look smart, Stephen Crowell, for saying that that's something the Badgers should do because they did it and it worked. So made me look smart. So thank you for that, Stephen Crowell. <laughs> Shortly after that, Jordan Davis had a just a beautiful step back three. And I heard the stat last night. Did you guys know that Jordan Davis is shooting the fourth highest three-point percentage in the Big Ten? Really? What? That – I would be – you sure about that, or has it been like the last three to four games? Maybe? They said it on the broadcast last night, so if I'm wrong, oh, blame man. Robbie Hummel and his Purdue education. <laughs> I'm going to look that up with Robbie Hummel because fourth highest, that seems a little high, but I think it might be in the last three to four games because he has been you know consistent what? with that. I'll just, I mean, either way, put up. Fuck it. yeah, I'd be very, very intrigued by that like if that was the case. Um. So that's wild. I noticed in this game too, and I and I'm this doesn't surprise me at all, but seeing Connor Seaton shooting with with confidence, um I do appreciate seeing that. Um you know, it's not something that I think he's ever gonna struggle with, is him shooting with confidence, but I do think it makes a difference. Um just believing that your shot's gonna go in, it makes a difference. So Connor Seaton, he's getting better better defensively but he, I 
not going to go so far as to say he's a good defender. Um, that's not where we're at with him yet, but um, he has a similar a similar amount of work to do as Marjan Beauchamp when it comes to getting better defensively. And it's not using hands. They're both they they're both very handsy defenders, and they both need to work on that. But we get into the second half. Chucky Hepburn scores five quick points right out of the gate. Chucky Hepburn only had three points in the first half. He finished with 19. So he scored 16 points in the second half in overtime. Um, Todd James giving us credit for the win last night against um, against the Celtics. Um, the other thing with this game, too, is more offensive movement. That was the other thing that really stood out to me was the offense was moving and not just you know the one or two guys that were working the ball action. So that was that. Um, Tyler Wall, like you said, playing better. And I think we were all so ready to declare that Tyler Wall was back that we didn't give him the benefit of the doubt of he might have just had one good game but still isn't 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a rush because everybody is so excited to call him back that we didn't get, you know, we didn't give him the the benefit of the doubt of maybe he just had one good game and we still need to be patient with him. Um, so I did want to bring that up as a, a possible thing. Um, Connor Asijan and Stephen Crowell both had over three or had their third fouls with over 13 minutes left in the game. Penn State was in the bonus at the 12 minute mark. And then Max Klesman got his third foul after that. So the Badgers played a big chunk of this game in foul trouble. And I want to bring this up because it's a thing, and we've seen this with Drew Holiday at times, is that when guys are playing with foul trouble, they will give up easier shots. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fact. Like Guys are going to get easier shots when they're worried about getting fouls. So this game flip-flopped a lot towards the end of the second half. And Jake, last week you asked who the Badgers drive to the basket guy is going to be, because we know who it is with with the Bucks. It's it's Grayson Allen. I think Max Klesman is that guy, and he fits that role. So I'm 100 percent on board with that. He's definitely um, showing the flashes, no doubt about it. Yeah. So with six minutes and 26 seconds left, there's a <laughs> lot of similarities between the two teams. Um, with the last six minutes of this game to go. Field goal percentage, points in the paint, threes, turnovers. Penn State went on a 7-0 run. They had the lead with four minutes and 14 seconds left. Chucky Hepburn hit a super deep three. Um, A minute later, got the lead back. Then the game was tied with three minutes. Penn State went up by two with two minutes left. 13 seconds later, the game was tied. And then we saw Tyler Wall take a three-pointer. And I have no problem with Tyler Wall shooting an open shot, but like his hesitation and then his feet not being set, like Tyler, they're going to leave you open. Just take a rhythm dribble and shoot it while you're feeling comfortable instead of shooting an awkward shot. That's my only complaint about the play. I have no problem with him shooting the shot. Just take a rhythm dribble and get your feet set is the only thing. Um, Chucky Hepburn hit a super tough three with 33 seconds left. Game was tied at 23 seconds. It was a tough, tough shot that Lundy hit to tie the game. And there's, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. And, you know, I've said it a whole bunch of times, like good offense beats good defense every time. I'm going to sing a different tune when we get to the Bucks and Celtics game last night. <laughs> that's for a different reason. <laughs> we get into overtime. 
Chucky Hep or uh, Connor Asijan, sorry, hit a super deep three to give the Badgers a four point lead and then committed a bad turnover. And when it comes to situations like this, where Connor Asijan makes a freshman error, a bad turnover, instead of, and I know this is something that's just, it's super easy to do is to just go, come on, Connor, and like, and want to yell and scream at him, like, how could you fuck that up? But what I'm hoping for Connor Asijan is that this turns into a learning moment for him. That's what I want. And I'm sure when we get into stuff with Greg Gard, after we talk about the Nebraska game and all the meetings and the film that they did on Sunday, you can see the things being different in last night's game. So, you know, I just want to make sure that, um, you know, Max Klesman is ready for that pass when he's posting up and then make that a bounce pass and not a chest pass. Yeah. That's, that's ultimately what caused that. And it was um, um, what caused that late turnover. And then, like I said, Max Klesman being that driving guy had a drive and a score with one second left on the shot clock. Max Klesman, he was really, really close to being my underrated performer as well. Um, Badgers were three for four from the free throw line in the final 24 seconds. Something, again, we'll bring up when we get into last night's game. Did you guys know that five different Badgers scored in overtime? Oh, wow. That's a wild stat. Holy cow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, especially since we're, for the most part anyway, like seven deep, that definitely – you know, a test that that definitely says something. So the Badgers credit to them for not giving up. Greg guard did say after the game that um, he wasn't shy about saying that he needed more from Tyler wall or that the games that they're playing in are must win games. So Greg guard is not, you know, he's not blind to, you know, to the situation that they're in, to the reality of the situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. Badgers shot 52.8% from the field in this game. That is their highest field goal percentage of the season. And the points they scored in this game were the most since that December 3rd game against Marquette when they scored 80. Yeah, and it took overtime, but it is what it is. Tyler Wall, like Mike said, he got that 16 points, six rebounds, and eight assists. Those eight assists, a career high for Tyler Wall. And then he also had a steal and a block. Connor Seijan scored 18 points on nine shots. Yes, he did. That's extremely efficient from him. And then speaking of efficiency, Stephen Crowell scored 11 points. He was five for five from the field, had eight rebounds and four assists. Uh, Chucky, like I mentioned, of his 19 points, 16 were in the second half in overtime. Uh, Jordan Davis had eight points and five rebounds. And the Badgers had 16 assists. That was their most since January 23rd. So really just, you know, aside from going into overtime, which, you know, it is what it is because Penn State made a tough shot. It was a pretty solid game by the Badgers. So, Jake, what stood out to you from this game that I didn't <laughs> talk about in the last 10 minutes that I spent talking the entire time? Well, not much left for me to say. <laughs> but <laughs> I what believe- I am going to say, what I am going to say is, you know, I'm going to touch on Mike's point of winning on the road, and it's tough, um, especially against a team Penn State that swept Illinois this year, by the way. And mm-hmm. we got swept by Illinois. So – Think about that triangle of love that's going on there. They swept us. We swept them, you know. Um, so Penn State definitely, uh, they shoot a lot of threes, like Mike said as well. I was checking my notes every time Mike was talking. I was like, are you going to leave anything for me to talk about? <laughs> my bad. Um, my bad. You're good, bro. You're good, bro. I like that we're thinking the same thing. They do shoot the three ball a lot. Um, I forgot what game. I was just sitting on my couch one day, and they, I forgot who they were playing, but I was tuning in. I was like, Jesus Christ, man, they're sh- 
hooking up the tree balls. <laughs> but uh, they, they shoot three ball well, and they have a superstar. Uh, they're kind of built like the Badgers of last year. We Except we didn't shoot the three ball well. We just They just had a superstar guy that could take over, and then a couple other guys that just added when when necessary. But Penn State's a good team, man. Um, and when we get into the Nebraska game, I think Nebraska's better in their record, too. To be honest with you, the last couple of weeks they've been After playing last really. Night. Yeah, they've been playing really good basketball the last couple of weeks, man. They they've beat, won three out of the last four. Yeah, I'm and they beat sure Rutgers. Like and that. they beat Rutgers last night in Rutgers. Yeah. That's yep. a tough place yeah. to play. A lot of Big Ten teams don't win there since they've come over to the Big Ten. So, big time win for them as well. But uh, the one thing that I do take away from this game, and Mike said it was a welcome back to wall game for him. Well, that was the exact quote from Greg Gar when he went into the locker room. He goes in there. He says 16 points, six rebounds, eight assists. Welcome back, Tyler Wall. And then, you know, the, the whole place just erupted. And I was like, oh, man, that is so nice. That has to feel so good for him. But I do think that he is uh, scared of re-rolling that ankle. I still think that he's playing a little bit softer, especially on the offensive end. When I saw him miss that layup last night, I was like, oh, he is so psychologically not in here right now. That should have been a dunk. He should have went up and yammed that. Like, I'm not even kidding. Yeah. You're 6'9". That's got to be a dunk. You're a D1 college athlete. I'm sorry. But I think he is a little scared of re-rolling it. But that's a mental block that he's going to have to get over if this Badgers team is going to get to the next level that we all expect them to be at. So um, that's all I have to say about that. But he did play well in this game, and it was definitely a big win. Ah, it just sucks that they can't stack the wins, you know? Like, the one we lost was to Nebraska. When I looked at the schedule, I was like, oh, gee, well, that's the win. Where's the other win? I wanted two out of three, you know? And then that's the one we lose. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, man. Yeah, that's what I had as well. I had the I had the Badgers losing to Michigan. So, I had the, I had the record right, just not the game. So, mm-hmm. let's go to that Nebraska game. Jake, you can talk first on this one. What, what stood out okay. to you from the Badgers in Nebraska? Oh, first of all, this was definitely a tale of two halves. I don't need to go into any further explanation if you if you watch this game. First half, we're shooting the ball really well. We got the swag. We're showing off to the crowd. Hey, I just hit a three bomb. I mean, we're walking around like our shit doesn't stink. And then second half, man. Oh, God, what is his name? What is the uh, the little lefty shooting guard uh Nebraska? Tominaga or Tominaga? Oh, my God. God, that guy is just a straight-up hooper. Straight up. When I watch him play, I'm like, that guy's a hooper. That guy thinks about he's, basketball he's all day like, long. like a tiny little microwave. Bro, he – yeah, dude. Is. And when he, when he was going at it with Klesman, and he hit the, he hit the three, and there was a, there, this was a scenario in the game. Klesman came down, and he got a tough layup. And I was like, all right, Max isn't backing down. I like that. All of a sudden, he comes down, and they, they call a foul. Max was trying to fight over a screen. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's getting ticky-tacky out here, right? And you could feel Nebraska building that momentum. And the sad thing about this this Badgers team, really sad thing, is even when they're up double digits, it kind of feels inevitable that the other team is going to get back into the game. And we might lose. A lot of times we win close games because we're actually really, really good in, in single-digit you know, games. But I felt Nebraska, you know, when they got that foul – and then immediately after that, he gets another three-pointer. I was like, oh, shit. Because I was feeding my daughter, you know, and I turned the TV and I'm, I'm watching and I'm dumping all the macaroni on her because the game's getting good. And, and uh, all of a sudden I feel that, you know, they call timeout and I'm like, God damn it, we let them back in it because it was just a mentality thing. And 
from that point on, you know, Nebraska kind of took over. I don't remember the big man's name on Nebraska either. I think he was like number 15 or whatever, but Walker. Yeah, yeah it might be him. He had a hell of a game, dude. Yeah. And they were really good when he was on the floor, really bad when he was off the floor. He but. left it all out there. Like, he mm-hmm. – yeah, and I can't even – like, I'm not even mad at it. Like, the dude plays with tons of effort. Like, I respect yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. So I, I definitely they, respect that guy. I'm not mad at all at Nebraska for this game. I'm not going to say I'm mad at the Badgers for this game. It's just kind of expected, and that makes me kind of sad. <laughs> I guess that's how I'll leave that. Mike, what stood out to you from the Nebraska game? Um, oh, well, Jake said a tail two halves. I literally wrote down Jekyll and Hyde uh, as a su- summary of this game. Um, you, you know, we, we had one hell of a start. And I think, or was it like one one example was Klesman, I think, had 10 of his 12 points in the first half. Or like in, in the, and those 10 points were literally right in the beginning of the game. Like it was like 10 of the first 20. And I'm like, all right, cool. Max Klesman's going to have a new career high today because his career high is 13. And he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, but um, you know, there's a lot of things. Unfortunately, I did write a lot of negativity down on this one because I just it was it was bad. But I think you know the one glaring statistic, yeah, the one glaring statistic over your shoulder. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> uh, the one glaring statistic that I really, really did not like about this game, we only had six. We only had six layup attempts. And I guess I'm going to throw out another one. We only had six free throw attempts this whole game, and one guy shot those free throws on our team. That was Tyler Wall. So as far as being aggressive and, you know, getting to the hoop, towards the end of the game, even when the game was tied or even close to it, we were in double bonus. We could not take advantage of that once to get to the free throw line. And I'm I'm transitioning towards okay the late game situation, going back to what the hell we should be doing in these situations rather than taking step back threes, we should be going to the hoop, make the refs make a call, and get to the yeah. free throw line. But it's not just that. I mean, not just those situations. Not getting to the free throw line, I think, was a huge huge problem. And I do think, you know, this was a matchup in which I think we 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 definitely could have had the opportunities to do so. But with just not getting to the free throw line at all, besides T Wall, I guess, in the second half, and only having like those six layup attempts to right under the bucket, you know, that doesn't really drive a recipe for success, in my view. Um, yes, we got outscored by 27 in the second half. You know, it is what it is. I mean, Klesman, uh, Tominaga, he just shot lights out. And honestly, they did, they did, uh, they just made adjustments in the first half into the second half with how they want to screen for him to get him open and you know because like jake said he got a foul and it got a little ticky tacky so i think that got in his head a little bit but i mean the dude was just feeling himself and just hit some big big shots and not only got his team back into it but i got the crowd back into the game and once you get both parties back back into it it's you know tough to win at a big arena. so um just late game execution and you know a lack of free throw attempts and you know those attempts underneath the bucket uh, i was a little upset by that so um you know we we need to shake how bad the whole team is at free throws and it's weird because the badgers have they've done a 180 in the last year 
Last year, they were yeah. a terrible three-point shooting team and a great free-throw shooting team, and this year it's the opposite. The Badgers are a pretty right. good three-point shooting team and just like 60% on free-throws. They're That's horrid the free-throw line. I said this to you guys in a group chat. With the exception of a season, sometimes it's just like watching uh, Ethan half shoot free throws every time. That's how nervous I am when this team shoots free throws, unfortunately. Um, there's not one guy we can really count on besides the CJ. In my view, based off of like our track record this year, that can make both free throws, that has the capability of doing that. Chucky, I guess, once in a while. Plesman, we didn't see him last night. Capability. It's just the execute. Okay, it's an execution. Then we'll just yeah, say player execution. Yeah. yeah, that's a better way to put it. We just haven't seen that as much this year. And unfortunately, it has costed us, us enough games, like probably at least two to three, that would comfortably put us into the tournament now at this point if, right. if we can just execute on that. So yep. I guess, you know, player execution has been a big, big problem with this team, which leads to, you know, us being somewhat just average at the end of the day because in those situations, that's with those opportunities, you have to execute. So. Um, I'm just looking for us to, you know, get to the free throw line more. We can't just have one guy do it himself from there. Um, but with that comes execution as well. So, um, so I don't know, I'll you, send it over to you. You you tiptoed right around something that I've said before, and I'm going to say it again now. Is and and I'm I'm not saying it's bad to phrase it the way that you did when you say you know execution has been a problem for this team, but you know, we kind of touched on at the beginning of the show too, is just, just flip the perspective on it. So you're looking at, you know, this is what's the problem with the team. And then you look at the beginning of the season and you say, look what they did against Kansas and look what they did against USC. And it's like the execution isn't there, but it's been there from this same group of players. Now there's, about an equal sample size of where the Badgers were very good and got to 14th in the country. And then we have a sample size that's been pretty bad where they lost what six of seven at one point. And, you know, they're kind of rebounding now a little bit with a two in one week, but the sample sizes are about the same. So if you take recency bias out of it, we really don't know which team could show up for the Badgers. It's one that could beat Kansas or it's one that could lose to Nebraska. But the opportunity exists for that team that can beat Kansas to show up at any point during the rest of the season, especially if Tyler Wall is healthy. So yeah. just that, you know, that flip in, you know, the problem is a lack of execution to if this team executes, they can win every game on their schedule. And they've shown that they're capable of it by technically should have beat number three Kansas earlier in the year. So that's, just a thing that I I really want to be able to convey that that perspective shift is something that can really just change the mindset of Badgers fans, especially the way that it's going right now. It's just that shift in perspective. And it can really like, it just it, for me, it makes me feel like it's easier to breathe almost just by having that shift in perspective, by not feeling all that tension that it's like, Hey, they're capable they can do it, but just putting yourself in the mindset of, well, they haven't done it lately, so they probably can't do it at all, so it doesn't really pay to act like they can win against Michigan. That's or, how I yeah. really felt a lot of the fan base felt. 
And I've, I saw examples of it in groups of people saying, well, Hunter Dickinson's going to eat Stephen Crowell alive and stuff like that, just because of the, the perspective that people have and the perspective that they choose to focus on. Yeah, yeah it's just fan, pro, like soft fans that look for, for negative stuff to talk about, honestly. It's like, they just look at it. It's, it's a lot of like, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Like literally within the last 24 hours. So um, a lot of fair weather fans out there for sure. And, you know, we've obviously talked about this before with, um, and it does exist everywhere in, co in college sports, but just having that toxic fan base and trying to look past as much as possible. Yes. I I'm negative sometimes to myself, but I, I really, really try to take it into perspective as much as I can. But, um, no, it, it's a, it's a lot, a lot of it is a lot of these fans are, you know, what have you done for me lately? Unfortunately, sometimes. And, um, no, that's just, you know, perspective, unfortunately. Well, let me come to your defense real quick. And I'm sure Tyler will agree with this too. You said uh, you get negative sometimes in the moment. I don't count that because in the moment you're just letting the emotions of the game come to you. Right. So yeah. I do the same thing. You know, I'll be watching the game. You know, say it's the Bucks game like last night. They had a couple turnovers. They, had, they took a couple bad shots. And I'm like, you jackasses, get your heads out of your asses. You know, and it's just like I, I, get, I get in that, that, that competitive mode. And then, I, you know, I take a step back after the game. And I, I'm, I'm reading about the game, what, what writers are saying. And I'm looking at the stats. And I'm thinking about stuff. And I'm thinking like, all right, well, you know, there was this situation. And then they got, they got thrown. They, you know, the, the Celtics changed their defense to a zone. So, I mean – just making that quick decision in, in that amount of time is tough. You know, it's not easy to just make those decisions like that, but it's easy for us to sit on the couch and be like, stop turning the ball over. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. frustrating to watch, but you also have to think about the situations they're in. Giannis plays 12 straight minutes and they just, now they're double teaming him and he doesn't have the, the same amount of shooters on the floor as he did, you know, the last five minutes, you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta put yourself in those kind of situations. So being in the moment and being negative and then choosing to, you know, portray your negativity because the team lost. Like I saw so many stupid comments on the post of the Badgers posting the, the Nebraska loss. Like people are like, Badgers should be embarrassed. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Like I saw people being like, oh, you're lucky to have a home game in the NIT. It's like, the season's not over. <laughs> oh, but my God. Here's the thing, and this is going to piggyback off what you just said. <laughs> is that you can have the negative thoughts. Nobody is immune to it. And that's not like for the Wisco Fanatics show, we're not trying to make people immune to negativity. Just trying to shift the focus. So when you have a negative thought, like if you like listen to people that study this shit for a living, they will tell you just recognizing it is the first step to it. You can recognize the negative thought and choose to not, subscribe to it and like program it into your mind to always think that way. Cause when you have the negative thoughts and then you give energy to it, your brain is going to be like, Oh yeah, here's other examples of when shit was really shitty. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's something that it's never going to be perfect, but it's something you work towards. It can make sports more enjoyable. And that's really what Jake and I want to do is to make sports more enjoyable. And not only that, but be able to, you know, give, give thoughts, ideas, perspectives that you can also then apply the same things to, to life. So going into the Nebraska game, now that we've gotten all philosophical on you for the last couple of minutes, <laughs> <laughs> going into the Nebraska game, 
Max Klesman scored the Badgers' first five points. He scored 10 of their first 20. Badgers got off to a 3 of 5 start from the three-point line. Um, the game was tied at 10, and then the Badgers rattled off a 12 to 2 run. And then Nebraska rattled off a 9 nothing run, which Connor Asijan ended. Um, I want to give credit to Jordan Davis for defending well when Connor Asijan got two early fouls in this game. Badgers again hitting those cross-court passes. The Badgers were 6 of 12 on threes in the first half. So just again, to say what Jake and Mike both said, tale of two halves here. So Crowell got a layup, and Connor Asijan um, got a three to start the second half. Nebraska didn't hit 30 points until the 16 market, 16 mark of the second half. So 16 minutes left in the game. Nebraska just got over 30. So the Badgers were digging in defensively. Nebraska was missing shots, which, you know, law of averages dictate that the, the shots will start to go in. And getting to 30 kicked off a 14-2 run by Nebraska. And, you know, we get into, you know, 20 to two the run got as big as 20 to two by nebraska um and then we saw tyler wall slowing down and the badgers ball movement got better led to chucky hepburn hitting a three to get the lead back tie game at 658 tie game at five minutes and 10 seconds um and then we got to a point where nebraska was making a lot of shots and then the badgers started to help off of shooters more like giving more space to shooters and then it made it harder to close out and Nebraska took advantage of that. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, Nebraska basically targeted Connor Siegen defensively. Um, and then we get into the end of the the get into the end of the game. And I posted what I posted about people who are gonna find reasons to justify why they want Greg Gard fired, regardless of how it works, because this late game situation is a perfect example where We've had, I think, like seven or eight games where the Badgers were tied or um, up or down by one possession towards the end of games, and Greg Gard didn't call a timeout. He opted to let them play so that the team can get their defense set. This game, he called a timeout, and Chucky Hepburn didn't run the play that Greg Gard wanted him to, and then instead of trying to drive to the basket, which is also what Greg Gard wanted him to do, he took a step back three, didn't miss it, and the Badgers or didn't make it, and the Badgers went into overtime with Nebraska. And this is where, if your mind is made up that you want Greg Gard fired, you will say, "Oh, he didn't call timeouts at the end of games to set up plays. We should fire him." Oh, he called a timeout, but his player didn't listen to him, so we should fire him. That's why I'm really not even engaging in the conversation anymore. Yeah, I'm not having that conversation. So. We get into overtime, and I will say, too, right before we get into the overtime, Greg Gard was pissed Yeah. after that missed three. He was hot, and he was screaming at Connor Asijan and Chucky Hepburn. That was a horrible, horrible shot. Yeah, it was a bad, it was a very bad sequence, and they definitely heard, heard about it in the huddle after that. So, yes. um, I don't, yeah, care. I guess. If Tyler Wall is not feeling like Tyler Wall right now, there is no goddamn way I'm not giving the ball to one Crowell or two Wall on the freaking run in that situation. There's no yeah, way in hell I'm calling any anything bonus. else. I'm not letting Chucky decide if he wants to huck up a 35 footer. No, not at all. In my opinion, like Connor Seaton shouldn't be the guy that you're sending to go set a screen. 
No. He got bumped off of it way yeah. too early because he's a littler guy. No, I'm going to was in, That was interesting, for sure. I'm going to send Wall to send a screen yep. because then you get the mismatch with the big and the little. Yep. And then if nothing else, you're going to the damn rim and you're forcing the issue. Just right. like Mike said before, you got to force the issue. The teams right. that go to the free throw line a lot, people complain about the Bucks all the time. People complain about Giannis all the time. Where the hell is he taking all his shots? There's 17 people around him every layup. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. So getting to the overtime, the Badgers scored the first two points of the overtime, and then Nebraska went on a 10 nothing run and yeah. won the game. Yeah, um, that was Turnovers really ended the chances that the Badgers had. Um and, and that was pretty much it. So, uh, Stephen Crowell struggled. He was 4 of 13 from the field. He did have nine rebounds and two blocks. Tyler Wall also struggled from the field. He was one of six, but did have seven rebounds and five assists. Uh, Chucky Hepburn had 19 points again, five rebounds and two steals. Connor Seijan had 13 and eight rebounds. Max Cousin had 12 points. And it's... It still was better. Obviously, they still lost, but some of the things that they were doing, like the ball movement, the cross-court passes, um, offensive movement, that stuff was still better, but it just didn't result in a win with the Nebraska game. So let's move to last night's game. Let's talk about the Michigan game. So, Jake, I want to let you go first because I know you're feeling pretty charged up about it, but what stood out to you in the Badgers game last night? First of all, good W for the for the scumbags. Gotta love yes, it. Sir. Um uh cover your children's ears. Uh fuck Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> You're a prick. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, no, that's not all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean in on this Hunter Dickinson stuff a little bit real quick. First of all, you wore a mask to the game because you think you're gonna steal a win from Wisconsin. You went on a podcast. I don't need to do anything to stoke the fire in the rivalry anymore. But yet you, says dumb shit and then wears a ski mask. Right. And then you, you go on a podcast called Scumbags. And then the third thing, and this this might be the worst part of it if you're a Michigan fan. You didn't even fucking show up in the whole second half. You got guarded by <laughs> That was a guy. my favorite part. <laughs> That's my favorite part, too. He was getting uh, mainly guarded because Crowell was in foul trouble. He was getting mainly guarded by a guy that's what seven inches shorter than him. Six seven, five so, five inches so shorter. So five inches, five yeah. inches shorter than you, and all you have to do is post up and throw and do a little right right you know shoulder turn and throw it at the rim and it's probably going in because you're that much bigger than him and you couldn't even do that. And Let the whole first half he was. Yeah, exactly. Put your arm down. You, he did not keep that same energy in the second half. In the second half, it was. Ref, 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 ref. Yep. Please listen to me. They're being really rude and saying mean things. Shut up, you big bitch. That's what I got to say about that. did not that. keep the same energy in the second half. And, no, he, you know, it is what it is. So, and he's all, oh, you'll be the villain. No, you know, he put all that, you know what? He took all that energy and put it all on the refs, too, just barking at them the whole time. That's where That's his energy saying. went, too. And, you know, you like you said, um, the only the three points in the second half, and he got soft in the second half. Like he, he started really flopping did. around and like falling on the floor a lot. And this is this game almost exclusively is why I have Carter Gilmore as my underrated performer of the week. Carter Gilmore worked his 
ass off on Hunter Dickinson last night. He did. And what made it easy, not I wouldn't say easy because it obviously isn't easy. What made it so that Hunter Dickinson had a tough goal of it last night was just Carter Gilmore just getting lower. Like every time you saw Carter Gilmore, like he's like damn near a cannonball, but all of his weight and his strength is underneath the center of gravity of Hunter Dickinson. So Hunter Dickinson couldn't get anywhere because he couldn't push him around because Carter Gilmore was so low. So that's just, that's really good defensive savvy by Carter Gilmore uh, working on Hunter Dickinson. I'm going to say two more things about this Hunter Dickinson stuff, and then I'm going to go into the game. One, you're seven foot one. And like I said, Crowell was like basically in foul trouble the, the whole game. If you're seven one, you're the biggest guy on the floor. You do not allow 14 offensive rebounds. That is number one. And I understand that some sometimes there's long rebounds, but 14 long rebounds, I don't buy it. Okay. Kamari okay. McGee and Jordan Davis came and got some under the basket. I know. I know. So then the second thing I'm going to say is for all the people that say fire guard, I'm going to give credit to guard right here and right now. Yep. That first half, they 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 took the lead into the halftime. You know, we talked about his antics. He was acting yep. like a giant jackass. When he was going into half, he did an interview, and he said the first thing we have to do is we have to guard Hunter Dickinson better. And what the hell did they do in the second half? So that, that message was heard loud and clear. This guy is not going to come into our house and act like a goddamn bully. You understand me? That's exactly what I'd be saying to my kids. I had a situation in my game on Saturday. We were down 6-2, to two, and I looked at them. I knew we were better than the other team. I, I said, time out. And I did what, what Coach Geigel used to do to me and you, Tyler, where he'd run to the whole opposite side. He did it to me once in a summer league. He ran out of the damn gym because I wasn't hustling enough. And he made me run to get him. I walked all the way to the other side. I said, I want everybody to run now. They all ran to me. I looked them all in the eyes. These are 10-year-olds. And I said, they don't get another damn layup the rest of the game. You understand me? And guess what? They didn't get another goddamn layup. <laughs> Sometimes you got to be hard on these kids. Sometimes kids want to be coached. Yep. And these these Wisconsin Badgers, they want to be coached. And I love the heart that they play with in the second half. I'm going to jump right into the game real quick. Fuck Hunter Dickinson. Okay, so anyways, here we go. The Badgers didn't shoot the ball well, but their effort the entire night was fantastic. Yes. And I don't want to hear no bullshit about how, oh, they didn't score for the last 10 minutes. To be honest with you, it's pretty impressive that they did not make a shot for that long. Just going to say that. We had two wide open threes from our best shooter and a freaking layup with nobody around him. And we missed all of them. But to give credit, they've been a bad shoot free throw shooting team. They made a lot of free throws on the stretch. So that I want to give them credit for. The missed shot thing, it's going to happen, man. You're not going to make 100% of the shots you take. And like I said earlier when we were talking about the Penn State game, that out of bounds that we ran – Guard called a hell of a play to get a wide-open shot for a season because he knew we were in a drought at that point. There was like five minutes left in the game after that. I want to make a point on the not scoring a field goal because people get so caught up in 10 minutes without a field goal that they act like we've gone 10 minutes with nothing but empty possessions. Yeah. Because, listen, here's the thing. When you get fouled, if you're shooting, it's a shooting foul, that does not count as a field goal attempt because you were yep. followed in the act of shooting. Yep. So if the Badgers or whatever, or, you know, the bonus situations, 
making free throws does not mean that just because you didn't make a field goal that you have empty possessions. People got to like really focus on that. And I could go through the last 10 minutes of possessions and I can say, okay, the Badgers had 15 possessions in the last 10 minutes and they scored on, you know, however many of them, just because they didn't make a field goal doesn't mean they're not scoring points. People got to let go of that because it does still end the possession with points. Like it's not, it's not 10 minutes of empty possessions. So to your point, I heard this today. They had eight possessions. They only had eight possessions in the last 10 minutes and 45 seconds. Okay. So that's all they had. That's all they yeah. had. So now to go back to something that we talked about last week where people are comparing the NBA to the college, they got to yeah. understand that the Badgers play a really slow pace. Yep. We are not the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. Right. And last night was bad for that correlation to happen because you're watching the Bucs against the Celtics, two of the best teams, the two best teams, in my yep. opinion, yep. in the entire NBA, professional basketball. Yep. You have a bunch of professionals, and when we talk about the Celtics, I don't give a shit that Tatum and Brown weren't playing, okay? That roster is loaded, and I do not want to talk good about the Celtics, we'll but that roster there. is loaded with good NBA players. <laughs> we'll get there. So <laughs> – the pace of play, one, college kids, two, they only had eight possessions. And to yeah. your point, they're getting shots. They're getting free throw attempts. They're, getting, they're literally scoring points. And what's even crazier, they're still playing defense and they won the goddamn game. Yeah. You would think that we lost by the way people are talking. I'm going to stop talking I, before I start going crazy. I'm going to let you and Mike go now. But I literally saw somebody say that the Badgers lose 99 out of 100 times if they don't make a field goal in the last 10 minutes of the game. I'm like, there's no possible way you could know that. There are so many other factors outside of field goals that lead to wins and losses. Nope. Nope, you just need to go to the goddamn Facebook comic session and you'll freaking be the smartest no, like, person ignore ever. the fact that while the Badgers were all of their last, well, what, 15, I think they missed their last 15 field goals. Ignore the fact that Michigan missed their last 11. Nope, we're not going to talk about that. No, no, you can't do that. We're only here to complain about the Badgers. Yep, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. The, like, there's so many other factors that go into this. So I'm going to let Mike go. Mike, what's the note to you? from this game oh man you guys man i don't know i could go off on dickinson i don't I, i'll choose i'll choose a different, a different route i guess so um you know our defense was stout man that was one hell of a second half performance um carter gilmore he's also one guy that you know i i'm a stickler about at times as i'm sure you know other people are too but he uh you know he stepped in especially when you got a guy like Steven Crowley's in foul trouble against a guy who's primary who's the primary scorer for their team at seven foot one and you're a big man you're starting centers out of foul trouble that does not line up have a recipe for success for the most part. But you know Carter Gilmore played fantastic defense. I mean three what it was the three points total oh of three field goals in the second half. I mean the dude needs to just absolutely shut it. He's making himself look like a fool. I mean, it's childish now at this point because I, I don't know. I could go on and on about it, but um, you know, I'm gonna give a huge shout out from an offensive standpoint. I want someone's gonna mention. I'm gonna mention one of these. I'll, I'll let Tyler mention the other one after this, but because um, I know what he's gonna gonna say. But <laughs> if it wasn't for Connor Asijin, 
right? We can deal. We can deal. We can talk about his de- defense throughout this year. He plays freshman defense sometimes. We get it. But if it was not for Connor Seijin on this team this year, where do you think the batters would be record wise? I'm just I'm because he Minnesota. Uh, it correct. <laughs> and I'm gonna go real quick. We talk about recruiting. How this is one I would argue right now. This is one of Guard's best recruiting wins. Since he's been a coach, why do I say that? Not many freshmen have Johnny Davis, I guess. But before that, who has had this much playing time as a freshman? You might have to go back to Sam Decker for as a, a, a true as a true freshman. Damn it, yeah, I guess we're on a roll. But still, <laughs> point being, it does not happen with a bunch of freshmen in this program to come in and be a major contributor yeah. offensively especially offensively. We get it, the defense. We have to figure that out. But a counter man, holy shit. Like, 23 points, scored, scored the third of our points last night. The dude was feeling it. He was getting to the hole, to the bucket, which is nice to see because that's just another aspect of his, of his game that we can utilize besides shooting the three. Whether it was, like, getting open via back cut or just cutting to the hoop in general off a curl, you know, there's just more any and just throwing it down that one dunk that he had. That was pretty goddamn impressive for you know an undersized in the college game anyway, an undersized freshman. So um, that you know he he's obviously had big games for us this year, but you know, holy shit, and he I would say he's our go-to free throw shooter as a true freshman on this team. Yep, that's something that I think that really needs to be uh, called out out on. So. Um, you know, there was there were plenty of like easy bunnies, easy twos we need to clean up on as a team. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, our free and this is how we've won games in the past. It's been our free throw shooting and our rebounding. That's been the classic Wisconsin way, I guess, if you want to put it, with getting wins, scrappy wins like this. We have to shoot good from the free throw line. Well, this is one of those games where fourteen of eighteen, you know, about seventy eight percent. That's most likely going to put you in the game if you're in the close game. If not, if a close win, if not, right in the game. So That's one of those um, things that's better than some NBA teams. Yeah, exa- exactly. So, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, we did some stuff that was the Wisconsin way, mainly the free throw shooting and the offensive rebounds, which hit, which I forgot. Jay, I, I, what was it? We were like 340th or something like that. I forget. 349th. We are 349th in offensive rebounds. Which that's that's not good. How many teams in D1 are there? But um, I, don't, I don't even know. But we got to be like real 375, close. 375, I think. 375. Oh my goodness! But um, no, we we got back to the Wisconsin way. I think with like how we close out and win games. Uh, you guys had a, did a really really good job with uh, the possessions in the whole second half in the last ten, 10 minutes for sure. That. That was something that I didn't even know we had only eight possessions, which is wild. Uh, but that's also credit to the offensive rebounds that we got too to extend as much time off the clock as we can as well. Um, but those are, yeah, those are two of the main, couple of the main things that, uh, yeah, I would like to call out. And I'll, I'll let Tyler hit 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 the hit the one point that I know he's going to talk talk about because uh, you know our bench play definitely stood up, stood, yeah. stood out. And I will transition over to you on that. 
They the Badgers bench was our underrated performer from the game last night. We share uh, we share the leading scores, and then we give an underrated performer for every win. And the Badgers bench collectively was the underrated performer from last night's game. So starting, let's just go top down. And the last couple of weeks, the things that I've been asking for or mentioning that the Badgers could do to improve would be more offensive movement, uh, working on inside out, the cross court passes, and offensive rebounding. And they went and got a shit ton of offensive rebounds. I'm like, yes. I'm like, I look smart once in a while. Not always, but once in a while. So <laughs> I will take that. Um, and Crowell, you know, he started the game. The Badgers were work, working in the post like they do. Stephen Crowell felt to me like he was forcing some shots. But then he started to work inside out a little bit. Connor Siegen and Max Klesman both hit some threes. Badgers went on an 8-0 run. Um, and then we get to... Carter Gilmore working his ass off on Dickinson. And it just mm-hmm. felt like the Badgers really wanted to win this game with the effort that they played with. The Badgers hustled harder than Michigan. That's absolutely true fact. Um, the Badgers started five of nine from the three-point line. Um, Michigan did finish the first half off on a 10 to two run to take a 32 31 lead into the halftime. But you know, Wisconsin, seven offensive rebounds in the first half, only two second chance points. So that's now there's an opportunity there where the Badgers can say, hey, you know, we're leaving some points on the board here by getting offensive rebounds, but by not finishing possessions. So that's something, you know, Greg Gard may take into account going into their game with Rutgers this weekend. But we get into second half. Tyler Wall gets the lead, 35-34, part of a 6-0 run by the Badgers. The run gets up to 15-4 to at one point, capped by the Jawan Howard technical foul. And a lot of times, coaches will get technical fouls, hoping it fires their team up. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. In this case, oh, fuck, this this pains me to say it, but I got to give credit to Jawan Howard because he went and got himself a technical foul, and it fired up his team and rallied them. It, it did. Yeah. Like, I hate to admit it, but that was a good job coaching by Jawan Howard. And he's in a Power 5 conference coaching basketball for a reason. And to his Still credit, he did bag. something that that got him, you know, some credit. Uh, Badgers, not only was Connor or not only was Carter Gilmore working his ass off on Dickinson, the Badgers were very picky and choosy of when to send double teams. And I gotta give credit to Max Klesman. The Badgers sent a double team at, at Hunter Dickinson. I think it was Shedder rolled to the basket, and Max Klesman's just waiting there above the restricted circle and took a charge. That is that was beautiful. Mm, that's fantastic. that rotation, that rotation, man. Holy shit, that was chef's dog, oh, chef's kiss. That was fantastic job by Max Klesman. That's Wisconsin uh, basketball. So, mentioned Carter Gilmore, Jordan Davis. He he did his thing a little bit. Kamari McGee to give the Badgers six points off the bench and grab some rebounds. It's awesome to see like Nate Robinson with dreads out there getting offensive rebounds and hitting some buckets for the Badgers and seeing him really now like getting more strongly acclimated to the team. So it was awesome to see his impact to give the Badgers a, a bench a lift. He was part of a nine to two run at one point. Um, I gotta say the the fourth foul on Stephen Crowell, like that was some bullshit. 
like Hunter Dickinson raised his elbow and hit and hit Stephen Crowell first. Like Crowell kind of retaliated by swinging his left arm, and and Dickinson fell to the floor. But in my mind, if anything, that should have been a double foul. Dickinson no hit foul. Crowell first. Yeah, yeah just putting all of his energy too. to get a call from from the ref. I thought he was flopping, um, bro. I was like, this big bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jake and I covered the the last field goals. Um, and I'll I'll say for Chucky Hepburn, for a guy who struggled offensively, he was the Badgers' closer defensively last night. Michigan didn't even get a chance to to put up a shot at the end of the game, try to cut the lead down. Chucky Hepburn literally stole that away from him, so maybe we should have given Chucky Hepburn a Hunter Dickinson ski mask after the game for stealing the win. <laughs> well done. Um. Well Games decided by five or less. Now that this game is in the books, Badgers are ten and five, yeah. and Michigan is three and seven. Yep, and Badgers have five point one wins now. They so, do. I mean, they they still have a chance. I mean, technically, right now, Joel and Artie said they're they're in the tournament. They're in the first four in. So we'll see. Maybe we'll get an extra game. Maybe they'll get a play-in game. That could be sick. You get a little tune-up game, and then they get to go play somebody. Stressful, but <laughs> yeah, it could be fun. I don't know. Just yeah. get in. Just get in. I don't care how. Just get in. Buckle Hunter up, Dickinson baby. Averages eighteen points a game. He scored twelve last night. Like we said, only three in the second half. Um, we mentioned Connor's career high twenty-three points. Stephen Crowell eleven points, twelve rebounds, six assists. Max Cosman ten points. Tyler Wall six points, eight rebounds, four of them offensive. Um. Really just a thing where, like, the Badgers won. Like, we can choose to focus on the fact that they didn't make a field goal in the last 10 minutes. And that's on you. Like, if you if the Badgers win and you still choose to focus on the negatives and, you know, say they should have lost or they could have lost, like, that's, that's on you. That's your perception of it. And if you want to choose to perceive the negative aspects of a game that the Badgers fucking won, that's on you. You can... You know, you can we can watch our show and try to adopt a more positive perspective, but I mean, we can't force you to do it. Yeah. So that is what it is, Mike. I don't know if you got anything else you want to say about Badgers basketball. Um, they only have one game in the next yeah. week. Um, they play Rutgers on Saturday. That'll be an interesting one. But um, Mike, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say before you hop off and we switch to Bucks. Yeah, I'll. I guess I'll. Quick call up from the Michigan game. Uh, Klesman did a hell of a job, I thought, on Jet Howard, too. I mean, yes. that's a guy that I believe averages around 15 points. Held him to 4 14 shooting, one of six from three. Um, you know, I and I, yeah, defensively, once again, this was one hell of a hell of a performance. And, uh, man, I'm so happy I'm for Kamari McGee, too. Yeah, that's just a guy that just puts in the time. I think he's with us, I want to say, two more years after this. Maybe three. It's one, one or the other. But anyway, uh, I'm just really, really happy for him. I've been waiting for him to, event, to uh, you know, get, you know, 10, 10 minutes a game, one of these, 10 plus minutes one of these times. And um, God damn it. So it, it just helps our bench out, too. I'm hoping we can maybe get to that eight-man rotation now con, um, consistently, hopefully. Because I do think even in these end-of-game situations, we get to this, these um, situations where we may blow a 12-point lead, whatever. Maybe it's fatigue is starting to play a part in this team, whether we like it or not. 
playing yeah. only seven guys deep that are playing, you know, 38 to 40 minutes. So anytime you you get anybody else that can contribute as an eighth or ninth person or uh, person, you know, that's just going to help us, you know, overall. So maybe it is a fatigue issue part of it as well. But, you know, I'm just happy that we won the damn game and we can move on. But uh, no, these last five games are going to be very, very competitive. I mean, it's going to be no joke having Rutgers coming to town, their top of the conference on Saturday. And, you know, Iowa's never, always, you know, going to be Iowa and be close. Um, and at Michigan again, then we get Purdue at home. I mean, and then at Minnesota. So I guess, whereas it stands now, we, we're seven and eight in the conference. We for sure have to win. I, I would love to win four out of five to feel really good. But I think if we can win three out of five, win a Big Ten tournament game, I think that's going to do it. Okay. But so you're going, I, I'll you're let going you into my question. You're going into my question. Give me a percent of chance that we make the journey. Give me a percent right now. Oh, my God. You're, right you're now, talking right about right on five. the spot. Right on the spot. You're 50 on the nose, 50 50. Because, yeah, that Purdue game just scares the hell out of me. Uh, I, I don't know. I, this is just a bi- I'm just a biased fan here. I think if we can win three out of five plus a Big Ten game, so let's say hypothetically four out of six, we'll we'll say that overall, we have to win three out of five and one Big Ten tournament game. I think that will get us like one of those 11 seed play-in games or even uh, uh, 12 seed, which is what I would love. Just be that 12 seed team that just uh, ruins it for everybody. Yeah. I'll, I say we're at like 70%. I'm going to be honest with you. I th- I don't think there's a – like unless the Badgers like lose like three out of five, like we just keep losing these games, I think they're going to win versus the Rutgers because I know Tyler's going to ask me that question. I know – I think we're going to win versus the Rutgers. We're going we're gonna to improve our record uh, to 17 and 10. I believe we're 16 and 10, right? Or are we 15? I think it's 15. Uh, okay, so we're going to get to 16 and 10. Right now. 10 so we're going yeah. to get to 16 and 10. We're going to get back to 500 in, in Big Ten play. The committee's going to look at that. They're going to be like, wow, they beat Michigan and Rutgers back-to-back. They need back-to-back wins. That'll be really, really good. And then, you know, that maybe this Badgers team is coming around. I, I think we beat Rutgers. I think that's going to change everything. I'm going to give us 70%. I was going to sp- – I'm going to say I, I was thinking 60%, so I'm just going to split the difference on you guys. I'm going to say 60%. Right. Um, like, I'm leaning towards them being in. Like that's, you know, that's where that is. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to put some chips on Tyler Wall's health. I think he's going to get healthier as we get more towards the end of the season, especially now that they don't have a game until Saturday. So there's some time in there for him to get a little bit of rest there. Yep, um, I'm going to go with that. And my thoughts on this are, Jake and I said this last week, and we're going to say it again, and we'll probably say it again next week, regardless probably. of how Saturday's game goes. It takes literally nothing from you. To just believe that they can do it or to act like they're capable it takes nothing away from you. It's not going to make you any, any less happy if they, you know, if over the next five weeks, if they don't make it at the end of those five games, sorry, I meant games, not weeks, but like you'll be happier over those, over that time span. True. So you could choose to be negative over the next five games and say the Badgers make it. Then you get, you know, you get the low and then you get to go up a little, or you can just be up. And then when it gets to the point, then figure out where to go from there. And even if they don't make it, 
not the end of the world, and there will still be things to look forward to with Badger basketball. Gus Yeldon was at the game last night. I'm excited to watch him next year. I'm starting to get really excited about Nolan Winter because I keep hearing so many good things about oh, him. Dude, he's I've watched a couple of his last games, some highlight reels. Holy dude's dude. a baller. We we did good. I think Greg did good good again. Uh, yeah, I'm oh. looking forward to the Badgers next year. But I'm still looking forward to the Badgers this year. Like I said, it costs you nothing to to put some belief in them that they can do it instead of saying shit like, oh, well, they'll probably end up in the NIT after they lose to Rutgers and Minnesota and whatever. Like, costs you nothing to just have a little bit of optimism and a little bit of belief. So that's that's where I'm going to stand with that. Who says they don't rattle off six straight down the year? Who says they don't the table. tournament? I mean, the, the COVID year, they, they won 10 straight, and then the tournament got canceled. Shit happens, man. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us again. I'm sure we'll have you back before uh, before Big Ten tournament time and before the March Madness tournament kicks off, which if you are interested, uh, we did do a tournament last year. Um, I think I think the winner got a, a gift card for Parker Johns. That was last year's um, gift this year. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Maybe, yeah, I'm maybe, in. Sign me up yeah, for maybe, sure. Maybe Tyler from Wisco Ball can hook us up with a, a giveaway for, for the winner of it. But um, we'll be doing that again, so we'll we'll put the link on our on our show page when we set that up. But, um, Mike, thanks for joining us again, and we'll probably talk to you soon. Take Sounds good, time. fellas. Thanks for having me on. Go Bucky. Good, good luck at your game tonight, man. <laughs> All right. So you and I now get to transition into NBA basketball. And not a two in one week, but a three and all week, some undefeated Bucks basketball. So give me your power pair from the two LA and Boston wins. Before we get into that, one more win, and we just get to go into the all star break being like, Jesus, I forgot what losing feels like. <laughs> so they play the, the Bulls tomorrow, I believe. Um, yes. <clears throat> so my power pair, obviously, Giannis. I'm going to let you cover Giannis this week because I cover Giannis every week. I'm going to let you do your thing over there. But just know that he's really, really good if you didn't already. Sure, um, sure. If you, you, if you just decided to live under a rock for the last three years, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, this guy, that guy, he's good. Um, yeah. So is then this we're gonna, he, That guy is good too. And that's my next guy I'm going to talk about. Um, he's fantastic. We have the same power pair. Uh, yeah, um, he, he's he's an all-star for a reason. Yep. I can't believe that he set the NBA record for most seasons in between all-star appearances. That is wild to me. For a guy who gets talked about all the time in the offseason about who's the most underrated guy, who's the guy that plays the best defense, like how is this guy going this long without an all-star appearance? It's crazy to me. For, for credits to longevity, like Drew Holiday's, he was good and early in his career. He's good in the middle, and he's good towards the end, and he's still going. And we are just very happy that he's Milwaukee Buck. Let's just say yes. that. Yes. Um, 25.6 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 6.6 assists. That was a mouthful. Um, he shot 52% from the field and 50% behind the three-point line. Eight of his 13 makes were last night. That's crazy. Um, he's good on both ends. Uh, he got the steal, the slam. I think it should have been a foul. We're going to get into that later. Sure. Um my underrated performer, Grayson Allen. Mm, this guy, man, I got to say, for a guy last offseason, you know, last season in the playoffs and then all of offseason was talked about for his effort and his defense, 
I'll tell you what, he has definitely taken that shit to heart, and he plays hard on defense. Yeah. And every once in a while, he'll still get scored on because he's only 6'4", dude. Right. You can only do so much. But I want to give my respect to him for, first of all, his ability to, to take and make three-point shots and then defend with effort. And I've said this a billion times. You have to want to be good at defense. Yeah. It, it's, it's like you were saying before about choosing your mindset. When you decide that you want to be good at defense, I want to stop this guy. That is the first step to being good on defense. And I think that Grace Allen has taken that step this offseason. He's taken it seriously, and he's doing his job. Um, Isaac said it's an art. It is. And and by no means am I saying Grace Allen is an all-NBA defender. No. Don't, don't take what I'm saying and, and think that. But this guy is a guy that you don't have to hide anymore, I don't think. You can I mean, see def- the concentrated effort to improve in that aspect. In the steal last night, that at the end of the game, Grayson and Giannis were the one that, that came together. So yep. he, he's around the ball. He shot 42% from three, eight of 19. That's a very solid percentage. You get that from a guy that's your fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth option at some nights. Right. When we're fully healthy, you get a guy that can, can hit eight of 19 three-pointers. You're living good. That's all I'm going to say. So I also had Drew Holiday on mine. I'm going to have some cool stats when we get into last night's game. Uh, so this is this is Giannis's points in the last three games. 38, 35, 36. Yep. His rebounds, 10, 8, 13. Not a crazy rebounding week. But his assists, 6, 6, and 9. Yeah. Giannis yeah. is out here just giving you 35. 12 and seven assists in the last week. I got to ask because there's two passes. I don't mean to interrupt you. Which assist was your favorite? Was it the one where he was like trapped, like almost out of bounds and he threw it to Drew? Or was it the one where he did like the left-hand hook? Because that left-hand hook pass was disgusting in my opinion. I think I got to go with the left-hand hook because that's one where like his momentum is going and like he knows he's like, this is my only option. And then just... And it was like a laser, like, too. I was in awe when I saw that. I was like, holy shit. But anyways, continue. Dudes, I mean, we can't say enough things about him. Like, they had to give the Eastern Conference Player of the Week award to uh, Derek White because they couldn't give it to Giannis for a third week in a row. <laughs> Ridiculous. And not that Derek White wasn't deserving or anything, but come on. Right. I, I was just throwing some shade. Um, Isaac said Giannis is the reason I'm concerned about the U.S. basketball team. <laughs> I mean, shit, if I I wouldn't blame you. I don't blame you for that thought process, dude. Um, underrated performer. I went with Javon Carter. Uh, he was quiet in the in the Lakers game, which we'll get into. He scored 13 yeah. points against the Clippers. And then he scored nine last night against the Celtics, all of them in the second quarter, like all in like a bunch. Um, and we know what he does defensively. So I wanted to give Javon Carter a little bit of love for the underrated performer. Let's start with the Lakers game. Isaac's going to want to hear this. He's uh, We got actually both of his favorite teams, the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, so <laughs> let's start with the Lakers game. Oh, poor Isaac, man. That guy's so nice. <laughs> I know. Too. He just comes oh. to watch the show for a little while. Then I tell him that his favorite team is the Clippers. <sighs> poor guy. I'm sorry, <laughs> Isaac. Grace. I just give you I just give you shit for fun. But damn, man, shots fired. Yeah, I did it on national television. <laughs> Oh, let's get into this Lakers game, huh? Well, 
to be honest with you, the Lakers play with, with a lot of effort. I'll give them credit for that. I think yeah. they play with a lot of effort, a lot of energy. Um, they just didn't have the horses to compete with the Milwaukee Bucks team. That was a smart move by Boone Olser to put in Carter and Grayson during the fourth quarter. He said, assholes. I'm not an asshole. I said, poor Isaac. I said, poor Isaac. No, man down. Um, the the Bucks really did dominate this game outside of their three-point shooting. The three-point shooting, you know, wasn't great. But, they started you know, over four. Yeah. They, they dominated the rebounding like they always do. Um, they actually shared the ball really well and had a really low turnover rate. The turnovers outside of the Celtics game, which why? Yeah, <sighs> was really good. They've been really good. They've been on a really good streak lately. We we talked last week about their their turnover rate, and they've been really really good. So twenty four assists to to eleven turnovers is something that you know I don't take lightly. You know I I just told everybody that I cussed the Bucks out when they turned the ball over, um, and for some reason, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I should have looked this up because I was I was. Uh, I was I was thinking about it yesterday. The Bucks are horrible in the first quarter. They're horrible. Unless That's they're playing they, the Pistons, like then they go bonkers for some reason, right? Well, the Pistons suck ass, but I mean, they we suck in the first quarter, dude. Like I gotta look up is. our I gotta look up our numbers because we have a lot of turnovers and we shoot a bad percentage in the first quarter. Yeah, could be the warm up. I mean, the Bucks started over four from the three point line. Um, Lopez hit the first three for the Bucks. Grayson hit the next one, so they were two for six. They finished ugh, first half five for twenty-eight from the three-point line in the first half, and they were only down by eight points despite missing twenty-three three-pointers in the first half. Only down eight. Yikes! It's their second most three-point attempts in a half this season. Wow! And they made five. Wow. Um, I mean, it was tied 15-15 at the six-minute mark. Um, Giannis seems to have it, like, like a couple times a week where, like, it looks like a shot where it's like he's going to have to lay it in, and then he just turns his hand over and dunks the ball. And it's like, what the hell? Like, how does he do that? Um, Isaac asked, do you guys think it's a strategy against Giannis following him intentionally that can bleed in the playoffs? I mean, like, it's a strategy, but... Like, let me just ask you real quick. Like, how did it work for the Phoenix Suns when they tried it in the playoffs? And, you know, we, we actually talked about this a couple weeks ago. We talked about watching the postgame show. And uh, they talked about how Giannis, for some reason, the all-time greats, they always just figure it out. And late in the game, Giannis just fucking figures it I out at the free throw line. For last night's game when we get there. Yeah, he just figures it out when he has to, man. So yeah. go ahead, follow them. Yeah. Um, second half, Giannis hit Rui Hachimura with a fake spin. That was so nasty. Like, Giannis is known for his spin move. For Giannis to hit somebody with a fake spin, oh, that's nasty. I almost said Isaac said make him an account in the Shaq voice. <laughs> um, Bucks opened the second half on a 12-6 run in three and a half minutes. Giannis is hitting threes, fadeaways, just everything. Um the run ballooned to 12 to 2 after that. Four of the 10 were by Giannis. The other six were by Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen hitting threes. Um, TNT, they, they did a good job. Two reasons. One, they called out um, threes opening a lane for Giannis. That makes the Bucks a dominant team. 
Like when the Bucks are hitting threes and then they can't just pack it in on Giannis. Like we saw the the game winning assist in the Toronto game. All five defenders are focused on Giannis and he finds a around the back to Grayson Allen in the corner for a three to win the game. Like mm-hmm. when teams can't do that, like Giannis will just carve you up. Oh yeah. And the other thing that I like that TNT did was they put a, a microphone on the rim. I love that. So you can hear all the swishes and all the, the dunks and you know the ball bounce on the rim. I, I love that microphone on the rim. That's yeah. might just be me personally, but I no, love hearing awesome. all the sounds from the game. I love that. So TNT, cool. Do that more. I like it. <laughs> Drew Holiday putting on a third like third quarter two-point clinic. Um, and then I want to call out Pat Connaughton and Thanasis. Um, Tim said I'm fed up with Bally Sports not covering these primetime games. I mean, the NBA, like the the national TV, they bid on those games. Like they, they pay yeah. for the rights to broadcast them. Um, Bernard's asking a question about Mahomes and Rodgers. We'll save that one for later. Um, Isaac said, I didn't like the broadcast view ESPN did maybe for a quarter. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is with ESPN. Like their NBA broadcast just, I don't know. It's okay. I guess. Yeah. I definitely prefer TNTs over ESPN. I agree. Um, TNT feels like a, it just, I don't know. It's going to sound weird, but it feels cooler. To me, TNT feel because they have like actual like basketball people. It feels sure. like they actually care about basketball. Where like ESPN is like so like across all sports, where it's kind of like, eh, take some basketball. You know right. what I mean? Like it's, it kind of so feels like here's some basketball because we're ESPN. Where TNT tell me is if like, this is what you're trying to say. Like if you're trying to say like TNT has basketball people and ESPN has ESPN people. Yeah, that's that's what yeah, that's you know if you if you generalize it, that's what it feels like. You know, like because you could barely understand Shaq. But you know what the hell – you know he knows what he's talking about. And, like, even in between all the jokes and them trying to run to the screen before Kenny, like, when you listen to them talk, like, during the pregame and halftime and postgame, those guys know their shit. And then having guys like like Reggie Miller and Kevin Harlan and shit, like, those guys know their stuff. Like, these guys have been, you know, in basketball for a long time. And Isaac agrees with me. Kevin Harlan is the GOAT. Kevin Harlan is awesome. I love he's Kevin Harlan. He's the man, dude. So, I want to give Pat Connaughton and Thanasis uh, a little bit of spotlight here. Pat Connaughton um, was, like, jumping around. He was trying to save a ball from going out of bounds. The ball did go out of bounds. But Thanasis jumped up, and not while everybody else was going to the huddle. Thanasis went straight to Pat Connaughton and was giving him a bunch of love for, for for the hustle that he was showing by trying to keep the ball inbounds. So everybody needs a, a hype man like Thanasis, and that's great stuff to see. So I wanted to give Thanasis credit for that because he's not playing very often, but the dude still makes an impact. I don't care what you say. Say that he's only on the team because he's Giannis's brother. He makes people feel good. Like, if everybody else is walking to the huddle and there's one guy that comes over to me, I'm not thinking about everybody else. I'm thinking about the one guy that came to show me some love for making a hustle play. That stuff matters, dude. That's that's culture is what that is. Stuff matters. So the Bucks outscored the Lakers 38 to 23 in the third quarter. Ouch. Yes. The Bucks were 15 of 27 in the third quarter. 
Um, <laughs> Pat Connaughton was struggling a bit in this game, but then he hits a three that's three feet behind the three-point line as the shot clock is expiring in the fourth quarter. Isaac said that's why they keep Haslam around for the Heat. Haslam's like a player coach. Like that, like that dude's gonna be a coach when he's when he retires. There, nobody um, can convince me that he doesn't own part of Miami at this point. But he right. owns part of that city. <laughs> right. Um game got tied with eight minutes to go. Grayson Allen hit a three. Uh, Wesley Matthews didn't play a ton of minutes, but he made an impact on the game, which I appreciate seeing. And then the Bucks went on an eight to one run in 50 seconds. That can happen with the Milwaukee Bucks. The game got tied with eight minutes to go, and then the Bucks outscored the Lakers 21 to 8. Yeah, they just ran out of gas, in my opinion. But um Giannis 38, 10, and 6. Giannis has the most 30-10 games in the NBA this season. Yes, he has more than Jokic, the guy who everybody's oh yeah, but he's a triple double. Giannis has more 30 and 10 games than Nikola Jokic does. I have a disgusting stat when we do our stat of the week later. Disgusting stat, dude. And I'm not revealing it on the show. You will have to watch the reel. You will have to watch the reel. It is gross. Took a long Uh, time for you to find it. James, yes, Bally is about to claim bankruptcy. So, Are they really? Yes. So where the hell are the games going to go back to? Fox Sports? They didn't say yet. For MLB, they said the MLB is going to take care of broadcasting them, but we'll see what it is. Um, oh, wow. Isaac said Dame will win the three-point contest if the Lakers' defense is out there. <laughs> I mean, they might. Giannis gave him 38, 10, and 6. Drew had 18, 7, and 7. Chris Middleton, 22 points and five rebounds and three assists oh. in 24 minutes. 22 points in 24 minutes for Chris Middleton. Wow. Damn, dude. Like, like I said, some of these games, like if he's playing 32, 35, 36 minutes, he's going to be scoring 30. When Middleton comes back, dude, and he's fully healthy, and then we, you know, we get Bobby and we get Jay, we're gonna be, we're gonna be, we're gonna see. He was the real deepest team in the league, James. We're gonna see. <laughs> um, Brooke Lopez, nine points, 10 rebounds, three blocks. Pat Connaughton had five rebounds and two steals. Wesley Matthews had six rebounds. Mamu Kelashvili, six points, three rebounds. Dude was flying around. I do think with one of the Bucks' open roster spots, I do think they're going to upgrade his contract to a fully guaranteed NBA contract and not a two-way. That would be. I, a good I think that's on the horizon for for Sandro Mamukilashvili. Yeah. Um, Bucks only missed five free throws. Sixteen points off turnovers, a little high. Um, Eleven second chance points for the Lakers at thirty-two fundamental failure points. That's underneath where you'd like him to be, so that's not bad. Isaac said Drew's playing out of this world this past month. That's true. Wait till we get to last night's game. So we can do this Clippers game. And Jake, what's up to you from the Clippers game? Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to give you credit on one thing. You called it because we were watching the game together. Uh, we, uh, You called that they were going to dominate in the second half. And we're watching the game, and all of a sudden the Bucks are going up by three. They're up by five, and they're kicking their ass, and it's the second half. And I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty smart sometimes, huh? <laughs> um <laughs> Nah, man, the Bucks Bucks played well. I, I had no doubt in my mind. Again, the ball movement was fucking phenomenal. 28 assists to 11 turnovers. That's just, like you said before, chef's kiss. One of my favorite emotes of all time. Um, 49 rebounds to 35 rebounds. That's an ass whooping. 
Uh, we shot the ball really well, 45 of 90. That's 50%. 17 of 39 from three isn't too shabby either. We have Giannis, dude. We got our 10th W in a row. Uh, that's the longest since the 18-19 season. So yep. what more do I really have to say other than this team is clicking right now? They're rolling, and they have the they have the benefit of the doubt uh, as it comes to a guy like Middleton to be able to bring him along just at whatever pace they feel like. I don't remember. We might have both said it, or I heard it on TV. Whatever the case may be, but before this win streak, the Bucks were kind of eh, eh, like win two, lose one, lose lose two, maybe win three, kind of up and down. Yeah, and I don't remember where I heard it or who said it or whatever, but. I heard somebody say it's time for them to to get on a long winning streak, and God damn it, have they gotten on a long winning streak? Was that you that said it? I said that. I said they were going to win seven in a row, and now here we are at eleven, and I'm like, all right, cool, <laughs> keep doing it. Well, here they are, and they're going to get to twelve, then we're going to go into the All Star break. Here we go. Yeah. Isaac said the Bucks fourth quarter defense under five minutes has been locked down. That's for sure. Um, yeah, when we get to the Celtics game, I got something to say about the defense that right. you pointed out as well. So, Giannis scored the Bucks' first eight points. The Bucks were playing good defense, one through five. Um, yep. Bucks jumped out to a ten to two lead in the first four minutes of the game. Um, Drew Holiday looked comfortable. I will say the Clippers they did go on one big run. Yeah, they went on a nineteen to nineteen to two run for a four point lead. Um, the Bucks offense slowed down a little bit, but um seven first quarter turnovers so you brought up that the bucks only had what did you say 11 turnovers 14 11 11 turnovers four or seven of them oh yeah right here i got 11 turnovers seven of them in the first quarter i remember so that's like four that. turnovers over the next 36 minutes that's good stuff oh 100 percent, yeah um bucks were staying in the game despite the turnovers lopez was carrying the team a little bit he had seven straight points and a blocked shot um, 16 points, 12 rebounds, and two blocks in the first half for Brooke Lopez. Bucks went on a 12-4 run to end the second quarter. Um, third quarter went back and forth for a little while, kind of like the Miami game last week where there was all the lead changes and ties. Um, you can't go under screens on Paul George. Like, it shouldn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, Bucks started to pull away late in the third quarter. Um Javon Carter and Pat Connaughton actually ran some great two-man game, ended in a three-pointer. Um, seeing Brooke Lopez and Sandrew Mamakulashvili on the floor together a little bit was interesting. It seems like there may be, and this is part of why I think what I do about Mamu is that it seems like they're seeing if he can play like a hybrid role of what Brooke does and what Bobby does. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of how it struck me a little bit. As if they're they're just trying him out in some of that. Um, fourth quarter, everybody's getting buckets. Like Pat Connaughton's hitting step backs as the shot clock's expiring and shit. Like if that happens, like you just just pack it up and go home. Yep. Um, Pat Connaughton was rotating, got a tipped pass, saved the ball from going out of bounds, turned into a, a Marjan Beauchamp playing some good late minutes. He ended up finishing with ten points, two assists, two steals, and a block shot. Um, Javon Carter scored 13 points, like I mentioned before. Um, Drew Holiday, 19 points, five rebounds, six assists, two steals. Brooke Lopez finished with 22, 15, and three blocks. Giannis, who, outside of me mentioning that he scored the first eight points, 
didn't really even mention him that much. He had 35 points. <laughs> so in two games against the Clippers, he scored 54 and 35. That's a lot. That's all of the points. <laughs> that is all of the points. <laughs> um, Bucks had 28 assists. They were plus 14 in rebounds. You ready for this? Yes. Isaac said Zubats followed Giannis every 4.034 seconds. <laughs> He's got no answer for Giannis. But listen, listen to this. Bucks only missed four free throws. They gave up 10 points off turnovers. That's pretty decent. Anywhere, Anytime you're under 14 or 15 is good. Only gave up two second chance points. 16 fundamental failure points. That is the lowest they've ever had since I started tracking this over a year ago. I feel like they keep setting it lower and lower, dude, like every week. 18 was the previous low. That was about two weeks ago. 16. That's it. And the Bucs won a blowout. Coincidence? I think not. I don't believe in coincidences. All right, let's feel the love. Let's talk I about do want to throw this day. in that uh, this was the first time the Bucks have swept the Lakers and Clippers in L.A. Back-to-back nights? Is that what yeah. it was? No, like but in L.A. I think uh, – when, when was the year, though? Do you remember hearing that? Was it like I don't remember hearing I shit? thought it was on back-to-back nights is what I thought I heard. Oh, well, anyways. Yeah. James, um, fundamental failure points is a statistic that I made up. It's based on three things, which are boxing out, taking care of the ball and making free throws. So for every game, I track missed free throws, points off turnovers, and second chance points for the other team, and then uh, missed free throws for the Bucks. And I add them all up. Last year, they averaged 33 points in, per game on just not doing the fundamentals, which are boxing out, making free throws, and not turning the ball over. So only 16 added up. That's less than half of their average from last season. So that's, yeah. yeah, and that's the lowest that they've had since I started tracking it. So that's a statistic that I made up. So if you want to tell people, see if they'll get on board with it. I don't know that anybody wants to track it or care about it, but I do because I pay attention to fundamentals. So, <laughs> All right. You ready for this, bro? Let's this, do it. This, this is the one. This is the one I was waiting for. And, yes, I was but excited. The Celtics for... didn't have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Marcus Smart. I don't care. I, I, like, I, literally, I literally don't care. Like, I don't care. I like at all. Um, I don't give a shit. I mean, we don't have a we don't have a hundred percent Chris Middleton. The guy's still walking around, his legs getting heavy. Yes, he's still getting buckets, but you could tell when he's getting tired. Uh, we don't have Bobby Portis, we don't have Jay Crowder into the lineup. Um, I mean, there's a number of things that's going on. Injuries happen. And they chose to sit Jason Tatum because everything that I was reading during the day is he was trending towards playing. So that's on them. Um, now, I understand that uh, Marcus Smart's been out for a while, right? Two, three yep. weeks now. And Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown has like a fractured bone in his face. But um, yeah. And to, to the point of people complaining about, oh, you beat an injured Celtics team. Like I said before, like Derek White was – Eastern Conference Player of the Week. He, he's a Grant good Williams, player. Grant Williams, he's – I'd like him on the Bucks. Like, he's annoying when we play against him, but I would like him on the Bucks. Like, yeah, he makes a reason he's a versatile defender. 
He's a really good defender, and he is becoming – he's gotten better at his passing decisions this year, I'll say. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, and whatever the fuck it is that makes Hausers play good against teams from Wisconsin, I don't know what it is, but it's annoying. Like, the one at Michigan State and the one on the Celtics, like, just go away. Go play in Europe somewhere. Please stop, dude. Why do you have to go to lame teams? But anyways – um. And he chose to go to Michigan State, so you're like, oh, he can't choose to go to the Celtics. He chose to go to Michigan State, so screw him. No, James, um, I will not stop being salty. Um, I'm I also going to say, James, we, did, we didn't say that you said that. We're just saying in general. I saw a lot of it on Twitter. Fans were saying it. So <laughs> let's break this down. Um I want to say I want to first. I want to give credit before I forget because this is in the front of my mind right now. I want to give credit to Tyler for pointing out, for fuck's sake, take Joe Ingles off the floor. They're targeting him on defense. That was in overtime. Yeah, <laughs> so that was in overtime. And like I said, I wanted to just point out to Tyler that like that was a good call because once they brought Javon Carter in and he started doing his full court press, that changed everything. Yep. Uh, secondly, I would have definitely backed you, you know, with your decision to put in Wesley Matthews. Yeah. That would have probably been the substitution I made. Isaac said Muscala turned into Steph. I wrote it right here. I don't probably can't read it because my handwriting is not great, but I wrote it right here. Muscala gets traded and turns into Jason Tatum. <laughs> Dude. And then for him to dunk and like act like he's fucking Vince Carter, like go sit out Mario tattoo. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's annoying. Okay. You're wearing a Boston Celtics jersey and you're trying to talk shit to my team. I really want to punch you in the throat right now. <laughs> like, dude, what, how... dude shows like the ugliest number, too. He's like, I'm going to Boston. I'm going to be number 57. I'm, a, I'm going to tell you something. He actually chose that for his mom. All right. That's fine. It's still an ugly number. It is an ugly number, but he chose that for his mom. I actually heard that story after he got traded. I was reading some shit. But uh, <laughs> all right, let's just get – I'm just going to – I might puke. I'm just going to give some credit to the Celtics. Uh, media was, con- was concerned Ingles was beefing with Blake over the playful head Oh, tap. my God. Uh, that was the that. dumbest technical foul I think I have ever seen. Yeah. Joe Ingles literally got a technical foul for rubbing Blake Griffin's head like you do to a little kid. <laughs> Joe Ingles got a technical foul for that. And I'm like, I replied to Eric Name, the Bucks athletic writer. And I'm like, this is why people think the NBA is soft and they'll watch it anymore. I'm literally going to start carrying around a whistle. And when I pick my steps on it from school and, they, and the people go like, technical foul. <laughs> One free throw for Boston. I'm just going to say this real quick. Just going to get this off my chest. The Celtics Bucks Eastern Conference Finals is going to be fucking awesome. It's going to be stressful, but it's going to be great basketball. Win or lose, in my mind, one of those teams is the team that is the best team in the NBA and is going to win the title. Yep. The Celtics depth is very, very good. The Bucks depth, very, very good. Both teams have star power. Both teams have shooting. Only one team has a guy that travels 100 million times. Thank you, Isaac, for that video. I don't know if you saw Did you see that this morning? Which one? 
of uh, Jalen Brown. Like, dude, he traveled like 50 times in a 30-second video. And this guy was like breaking it down. Like, I got to see this. I love Jalen Brown's game. He's like, travel, 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 travel. Bro, he travels all the time. Now I'm going to be watching that. So kind of not thank you because now you fucked in my brain. Now that's what I'm going to be watching. Um, But the, the Celtics are good, man. They play at a really, really good pace. They all understand their positioning. And that's why I, last night I was kind of like, I don't want to hear no bullshit about a Jalen Brown being out, a Marcus Smart, a Jason Tatum. These guys understand this system, and they have really, really good good depth. And They're bought in, too, is the 100%. thing. 100%. They, they know that it's a championship year. So right. I'm glad that you said that. So, you know, they got they got a lot of good players. Malcolm Brogdon is a good player. We know that firsthand. Yep. I mean, Rob, Rob Williams is a good, good player. Like you, like you said, they got a couple good Williams over there, Grant Williams as well. So, you know, and Muscala was just hitting a hell of threes at the game of his life. So, like, you could just take Muscala's three-pointing, point shooting, and just move that over to Jason Tatum, and that's the exact impact that he would have made in the game last Yeah. Time. So, I don't want to hear nothing about uh, them missing him. I will say the free throw disparity was a big thing. We did try to keep them in the game by turning the ball over 19 goddamn times. Ugh. Dude, they had more turnovers in one game than fundamental failure points versus the Clippers. Literally. Doesn't that piss you off? Yes. <laughs> God. I mean, they shot the ball well. I mean, 43 and 90 is a good percentage, especially when you hold them to 46 and 99. That's fair. Really? That's exactly what I expect in the playoffs. I expect mm-hmm. this to be so even. The field goal percentage is off by 1%. Both teams are making 15 to 23 pointers. The yeah. rebounding the rebounding is going to be really key in the playoffs because – and. I got a question for you because I wanted to ask this. The game was close, right? Yeah. They needed to get some rebounds. They needed to get some stops at the end. Where the hell was Time Lord? Why was he sitting on the bench? You went with that small lineup. The Bucks come back. They take the lead after the Drew Holiday three. You still have a chance to win, right? You still have to stop them, right? No. Where the hell was he? They went with that small lineup, and they had Muscala on the floor as the biggest guy. That made no sense to me at all. I would have put I would have put Williams in there, been like, go make something happen, bro. Like you know what to do. But whatever they want to be stupid about that, that's on them. Really, all I got is just Drew Holiday is just really fucking good at basketball. James oh, he's on a minute restriction minute. too. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, you're out here talking shit. Well, thank you, James. I did not know that. But okay, never mind. I got nothing to say. That that makes sense because the same thing happens with Middleton, you know, when he's right. hot on hot fire. So, so that's fair. Here's my foil to all the well, they didn't have their star players. You congrats on beating an injured Celtics team, which I saw all over Twitter. Oh, you beat the Celtics injured reserve team. Listen, they're all still NBA players. Mm-hmm. And like we I already said, Derek White, Grant Williams, like we already mentioned these guys. The Celtics were hitting all of their open and all of their contested shots to start the game. True. And the Bucks kept pace with that, despite starting all for three from the three-point line. Um, you know, it is what it is. Brooke Lopez actually got a couple foul calls, so he started all for three from the three-point line and went and got to the free-throw line. That's a veteran-savvy thing. When your shots aren't going down, you go get to the free-throw line or you get the layups and you get some easy ones. You see the ball go through the basket, build your confidence, and then you start to work back out. That's veteran-savvy right there by Brooke Lopez. Um, Bucks took a lead at 357 in the first quarter. Drew Holiday 
James is going to love to hear this. Drew Holiday passed Larry Bird on the all-time assists list against the Celtics last night. So Drew Holiday is now number 46 all-time in assists, passing Larry Bird on Larry Bird's uh, on Larry Bird's team, the Celtics. Um, Isaac said they wouldn't want to hear that excuse if it was the other way around. You don't have to tell us that. I mean yep. – Seeing Celtics fans bragging about beating the Bucks in the series last year and on Christmas when the Bucks didn't have Chris Middleton, the Celtics killer, you know, it's like, okay, but you know, doesn't whatever. Um, Tyler said the last night was closer than I liked, and that that happens. I mean, yeah. you know, you're it happens. These are still NBA teams. I mean, the Magic have beaten the Celtics twice. <laughs> Think the about Orlando that. Magic have beaten the Boston Celtics twice. The Bulls beat the Bucks twice. James said, if I hear Middleton one more time, um, Chris Middleton. <laughs> For three. <laughs> Chris Middleton, Celtics killer, didn't play on Christmas or in the series last year. I mean, it's just a fact. You can't get mad at that. It's like a literal fact. <laughs> it's context that matters. 100%. Um, Bucks ran a lineup of Joe Ingles, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Wesley Matthews, and Pat Connaughton, and they switched one through five. Yeah, that was that's a that's a lineup I like that. And then you picture picture substituting Jay Crowder for Joe Ingles in that situation. <laughs> then you have Drew Holiday, Jay Crowder, Wesley Matthews, Chris Middleton, and Pat Connaughton. Woo! I love that for defense. Um, Celtics did finish the first quarter on a thirteen to four run, so credit to them. I, getting into the second quarter, love seeing the Chris Middleton to Giannis full-court passes again. Oh, that makes me so happy. Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton. Um, <laughs> full-court passes to Giannis. I, I love seeing those. Um, I love seeing that aspect of the game back in there. Javon Carter hit three threes in a row and was playing good defense. That's part of why he was my underrated performer for the week and the underrated performer of the game last night. Um Celtics made nine of their first 23 pointers and the bucks were still keeping pace with it. Um, the lead got cut to two with two minutes and 12 seconds. Bucks went on a 10, nothing run, take a one point lead with one minute left. Um, despite Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton, both having three fouls, um, drew holiday hit another three to give the bucks 64 to 63 lead. Um, after a super long three-pointer by Drew Holiday, which was cool. James said he was watching the game at work on his phone. One of my coworkers who's a Grizzlies fan said, how is this game close? Hey, it happens. NBA games. Why don't you just worry about John Morant and him talking out of his ass for no goddamn reason? Yeah. How about that? Um. So, Drew Holiday, 15 points in the first half, five assists and three rebounds. Giannis had 14 points. Um, Chris Middleton and Javon Carter – each had nine points, and Chris had six rebounds in the first half. Um, second half, Giannis struggling at the free throw line happens. There's going to be games once in a while where Giannis just has a really, really bad night at the free throw line. It happens. We just move on. Yeah. Brooke Lopez got his fourth foul at the 9-16 mark in the third quarter. That's why we didn't see a lot of Brooke Lopez towards the end of that game. He got really early fourth foul. And this is where I mentioned Isaac beat me to it a little bit, but Mike Muscala gets traded to the Celtics and he turns into Jason Tatum. Like it was just whatever, whatever. 
Um, the Bucks went through a little bit of a stretch where they were having some trouble getting some clean looks. The Celtics were making everything, whether they were open or not. And that's how a team with injured players can get to almost beating a team that's mm, almost at full strength. Um, and then turnovers, you know, that's not helping. Drew Holiday was willing the Bucks back. Bull, the ball movement was great in the third quarter. Cut the lead to six. Um, the Bucks made a run, and then Drew Holiday hit that long three-pointer to neutralize the Pritchard and one right before the end of the third quarter. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you James play the Pistons, in. James. Um, so Bucks start the fourth quarter, 9-0 run to um, take a lead by five. Giannis and Chris Middleton working together. Tied the game with 8.46 left to go. Boston went on a 6-0 run after the Bucks took a four-point lead, and then the game was tied with eight minutes to go. Um, Grayson Allen got switched onto Robert Williams and forced a missed jump hook. And the next possession, Grayson Allen was diving on the floor. And that was a freaking foul that they missed, dude. That was a foul on Brogdon, dude. He was all over his back. Just just seeing Grace Allen diving on the floor, that's effort. Love to see it. Um, as I mentioned, Giannis was struggling at the free throw line that allowed Boston to get the lead back. Um, second chance points and a three by Drew Holiday got the lead back for the Bucks. Drew Holiday hit another three. Bucks were up six with 357 to go. Um, and then we got another five-man lineup of Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Wesley Matthews, Giannis and Grayson Allen, and they were switching one through five on that. And then we get to God, it's so annoying. Hauser, and I say good offense beats good defense every time I say it, but that was not good offense by Hauser to take two dribbles and like jack up a prayer three and it fucking goes in. I don't know what it is with the Hausers and playing against Wisconsin teams, but dude just chucks up a three and it goes in. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me that he hit that. It is what it is. You regroup, you go to overtime. Tim asked, what service do you use to watch the primetime games? Um, I just used Spectrum. I I was just watching on Spectrum. Isaac said the Lakers' MO was allowing nobody to go off like an all-star. I mean, it's different. The Bucs just bring out the competition in people. The Lakers are just bad on defense. So it's a little bit different. (laughs) Uh, I have YouTube TV, Tim. So YouTube TV is like 60 bucks a month. It's not that bad. Um, overtime Celtics were absolutely targeting Joe Ingles. They knew the Bucks were switching everything, so they'd just run a couple screening and then they'd have Derek White being guarded by Joe Ingles. Um, then they brought in Javon Carter and that changed. Um, Drew Holiday hit another three pointer, he hit eight threes last night, it was his career high. Uh, gave him 40 points and gave the Bucks a two point lead, and then he got a steal. Now Giannis struggled at the free throw line, and Isaac brought up, and I'm glad we got back to it, Isaac brought up following Giannis in the playoffs as a strategy. He gets it done when it matters. He made seven of his eight last free throw attempts last night. Seven of the last eight. And then he got an exclamation dunk to end the game. I mean, he makes them when they count. So if you want to follow in the playoffs when the games are the most critical, I mean, like he's – he locks in at the most critical points of the game. I don't know what it is, but I'll take it because it means he's stepping up at the best times. 
It's because he knows he's supposed to be the GOAT. So he's like, oh, shit, I forgot. I'm supposed to be the GOAT. I got to make all these free throws right now. Um, Giannis finished with 36, 13, 9, and 2 blocks. That is a monstrous stat line. It is. Drew Holiday finished with the 40 points. He had 7 assists and 5 rebounds. Grayson Allen had 13 points. Chris Middleton had 16 points and 11 rebounds. Four of them are offensive rebounds. And then he had four assists in 25 minutes. So it seems like he's he's getting up a little bit more. So 25 minutes, maybe he'll start in the first game after the All-Star break. Eight missed free throws, only nine second chance points. So that's good. 27 points off turnovers for Boston. Whew. You want to know why this game was close? Points off turnovers, 27. That's how that game was close, James Tyler. That's why this game was closer than you like. 27 points off turnovers. That's 44 fundamental failure points. Mm. If I tell you that the Clippers and the Celtics games, the Bucs had 60 fundamental failure points combined, you split it in half, that's 30. That's great. But what you don't know is that it's 16 in one game and 44 in the other. Yeah. Oh, that's. Mm. So that's look, why I track. That's why I track what they do with turnovers. A little tidbit: uh, Drew became the third Bucks player with forty points and eight three pointers in a game. Nice. Do you know who the other two are? I know one of them is Michael Red. I did not. It's got to be Ray Allen. It got to be Ray Allen. I didn't find the other one, but I did know the other one was Michael Red. Jake, are any of the games blacked out? Uh, the only thing that gets blacked out is when they put them on NBA TV. When they when the Bucks game when the Bucks play on NBA TV, um, that's the only thing that gets blacked out. But all TNT ESPN games, you get to watch those. Um, and then obviously Bally, um, we don't have it, but I just bought a little thing for like twenty bucks every a month, twenty bucks a month, and I get to watch all the games except the ones that are on TNT and ESPN, and I watch those ones. So it works right. out. My last two stats, Drew Holiday, the last time he scored 40 points, December 27th, 2021. Oh, you ready for this one? Yeah. Chris Middleton, do you just want to take a stab at the last time he had 11 rebounds in a game? Oh, boy. Got to be the finals. No? When was it? Literally... Exactly one year ago, two Valentine's <laughs> days in a row, Chris Middleton had 11 rebounds in a game. We got to remember that because next year we got a pencil Middleton in for, for 11, 11 rebounds. rebounds on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. And I'm like, damn, there's no way he went exactly one year. That was the wow. last time that he had 11 rebounds in a game. That's a random stat. But I found it. You got me. We love cool stats. Ooh, what are you th- – okay. You want me to read that or you want to read Isaac that? Isaac said, two teams that might face the Bucks in the playoffs about to tip off and the Sixers and Cavs. What do you think about those potential matchups against the Bucs? Um, Philadelphia is the tougher of the two, but I don't think either of them win a seven-game series. I don't think Cleveland goes past five, and I don't think Philly goes past six. We're beating them um, both in five. I think the Cavaliers mm, – I don't want to say lack of size, but I just don't think they have enough size to mess with the Bucks. I don't opinion. think they have enough strength, is what it is for me. Because like they have Mobley yeah. and and Allen, yeah. so like they have the size, but they don't have the thickness. 
Yeah, I guess the the Bucks kind of, you know, like what they used to say about Dwayne Wade. Like Dwayne Wade was six four, but when he played in his prime, he felt like he was six eight. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Giannis is six eleven, but it really feels like he's fucking seven eleven, dude, because he's just dunking on everybody, right? That's kind of how it feels. Sure. Um, Philadelphia, you know, it's Embiid and Harden. They they both shrink in the playoffs. Like neither of them have ever really done it. Um, and the Bucks are deeper than both of those two teams, arguably combined. I'd agree. I would agree also that the Sixers are better. I think both – if you combine those rosters, fuck, that would be a great roster. That would be a roster that can compete with the Bucks, but separately, right. no. I think it's really the Bucks and the Celtics, man. Yeah, That's I agree. I, I strongly agree. Um, so is there anything else you want to say about this last week? Um, 11 in a row is nice. <laughs> yeah, 12, 12 after tomorrow night. The Bucks only have one game between today and next Wednesday. Um, they're at Chicago tomorrow night. So that's that. And other than that, we won't be back on a Friday night show until almost exactly a month from now when we start our draft coverage. So yep. be on the lookout for that as well. Um, <laughs> Isaac said we need Jake Giannis impression. All right, Jake. Send us out on Giannis's impression. How would Giannis say goodbye? <laughs> oh God, I got put on the spot. I come on, man. Like I stuck up for you, man. Like this is crazy. Uh, God, I'm not doing it. I got nothing. I was <laughs> he's, gonna, about to go. he's just gonna start laughing every time he tries to do it. Uh, Bill, that's all good, buddy. I hope everything's all good. Man, I was about to, but I can't, dude. Because I'm just making myself laugh, thinking I was stupid this out. Because <laughs> I went back and listened. Bill, that gives us a chance to remind if if you want to watch the show again, if you miss it live, um, you can watch it on YouTube, you can watch it on Facebook, or you can listen to it as you see it on the bottom. You can listen to it on the podcasting apps. Um, yes. Other than that, I will see you next Wednesday. Hopefully, we're discussing some more wins. Let's go. All right. Thanks, everybody. For Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.